Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais with another episode of the Yacking Show Business Channel. This is the show and the channel that brings you actionable business ideas and tips to help you survive the interesting times and make your business thrive. And we do that by bringing you interesting guests. And today is certainly no exception. Really looking forward to hearing what our guest has to say today. But first, let's introduce Kathleen, co-host Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Peter, and so am I. Looking forward to this. Um, thank you also very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. We have the great pleasure of welcoming Dr. Douglas Kong from Singapore. Hello, Douglas. Uh, hello, Douglas. How are you today? Hello. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, the pleasure is ours. You're welcome. Now, uh, Dr. Kong is a psychiatrist who now specializes in coaching business leaders to transform their leadership styles to a function so that they can function at a higher level. So let's jump right in. Douglas, what is the biggest factor preventing business leaders to excel in today's environment? Okay, that's a good question. Besides the lack of financial resources, the mm -hmm. most single important factor of why business leaders are unable to excel is summarized in the phrase which many experts use. Business leaders tend to work in their business mm -hmm. instead of on their on business. The business right. Yes. This means that the leader, instead of being the leader in his business, is now self-employed. Mm -hmm. In short, he is an employee in his own business. He is working hard to keep his business afloat. And this is often the result of trying to save costs by doing the work himself instead of employing some other people to do it or to outsource to an agency that will do the work for him for a fee. Now, when you do that, what happens is that instead of being able to see a bird's eye view of your business, in a business environment that he's in, with all the competition and all the challenges that he faces, and seeing where his business is, as far as business growth is concerned, he's now immersed in the, in, in the business. He can't see the overall picture. And therefore, as a self-employed person, he's so busy, he's afflicted with all the stress that the business put onto him, but don't have the benefit of the first eye view. So that is the biggest reason why many experts think that because a business owner work in his business instead of on his business, that's why they fail to access, to, to excel, and hence experience stress instead. So I have a follow-up question to the, uh, Douglas because it really is sort of like a double-edged sword because if an entrepreneur is just starting out they don't, as you mentioned, have the funds to possibly outsource or hire somebody to help them out. So they're working, they're, they're, they're doing it all. They are the employee. They are everything. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that really there's no hope for these people in terms of trying to get out of that rut that really they should probably look at outsourcing somehow, maybe even borrowing the money to do it? Or 
what is the solution to that? Because it's it's almost like a hamster wheel. They they feel like they've just they're spinning, they're spinning, they're spinning, and they can't get off of it. What would your advice be? I think you are uh, spot on. It depends on the stage that they are in in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning stage, when you are trying to prove that what you're thinking of mm-hmm. is workable, what I call the proof of concept stage. Yes, you may have to do it yourself mm-hmm. and to begin to demonstrate that there's a demand out there for what you're producing, the product or the service that you are offering to, to, to potential customers. Now, once you pass a stage and you begin to launch your business, you need somebody else because as I explained uh, to many people, competition is very keen nowadays. Mm-hmm. The internet is a boon, is also a curse. That's yes, true. you can reach out to customers all over the world, but you also have a lot of competition from all mm. around the world. That's true. So last time, without the internet, I'm in my village. I know all the people there. I can sell to them and they trust me. They will buy from me. I don't need any other things. So now it's very different. So when you reach the stage when you're about to launch, even in a small way, you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to help you. There are many functions of the business, from marketing to designing the product to getting it to your customers, persuading your customer that this is something that will solve the problems that you are trying to solve for them. And when they buy it to provide the customer care that they need. So there are many functions. And with technology, besides the competition, is the fact that much more and more technology is being utilized in any mm-hmm. business. That's for sure. So the simplest of things, let's say uh, email or work processing, can take away the drudgery from having secretaries to type what you have composed on a paper and then transcribe it to, to something that can be sent out, that is gone. Right. What more nowadays with all the technology, with apps and uh, various software and hardware to any business. So you can well imagine that when you are past the proof of concept stage, you really need at least one or two other body mm-hmm. to help you get moving. Right. And certainly you need a very important resource, which is a financial resource, you see. And without the financial resources, that's why many small businesses struggle. And I've seen myself, entrepreneurs struggle and then giving up halfway. Mm-hmm. So I've been long enough to see that happening. Right, absolutely. Right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> would you say that that's the biggest change that you've seen in the last 20 to 30 years since since the internet became uh, used by so many people and everything related to the internet. And as you just said, we no longer, business owners no longer have secretaries and assistants like that. Is that the biggest change that's caused problems for entrepreneurs and businessmen? I think that's the biggest change that has changed everything, including our lives. And now there's another change coming on, automation, (laughs) AI. And you know how that has changed us. Oh, for sure. Uh, I used to spend few months designing a course or writing an article. With AI, I can do it in half an hour. It yeah. improved my productivity, but some people are afraid of it. 
they don't embrace it. For sure. And that become a challenge. Well, on that, yeah, and on that one, we're going to be talking about stress in more detail in a minute. But just what Kathleen and I are picking up from talking to people this year, since uh, ChatGPT was launched in November last year, that's causing more stress to many people than than all sorts of things have in the last <laughs> few years because they're so worried that uh, it's going to replace them, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, some jobs will be replaced. Uh, for example, oh, yeah, for sure. secretaries are no more. So That's right. That's some right. routine tasks will no longer be there, but there will be new tasks available and want to adapt to the times. Mm-hmm. If we don't adapt, we perish. <laughs> for sure. And and that's happened ever since uh, in North America. I'm not sure about your part of the world. Uh, when I was a kid, well, I lived in Africa, but department stores had elevator operators, right? In, yes, in every indeed. big building. And, and they're as dead as the dinosaurs now in just about everywhere in the world, right? So It's all over the that's world. That's changed. Yeah, that's changed. Mm. Back to you, Kathleen. Well, turning to stress now, uh, Douglas, do you believe that most organizations are equipped, are well-equipped to deal with stress? Uh, okay, I'd like to clarify some terms. Sure. Okay, we're talking about two different things here, about mm-hmm. individuals, which I will talk about later on. I want to talk about organizations now. Individuals experience stress. Organizations also experience stress. And since organizations are made up of people, if the people are stressed or the people in the organization, when they feel that the existence of the organization is stress, then the organization is facing stress. Mm -hmm. And organization stress can come from a lot of sources, mostly social and economic. And at times due to organizational change, which puts pressure on the organization. Now, organization stress is different from individual stress. And the most important factor in organizational stress is leadership. When there is leadership, the people are secure and feel safe. They follow the leader and they march according to the orders coming from the leader. When that is absent, the people in the organization get confused. They, uh, they become very paranoid. They uh, are controlled by fears of the unknown mm-hmm. and they desire certainty. Now, when this happens, then you can see a lot of things happening in the organization. There is a lot of uh, because of the need for certainty, they begin to look to people who can lead them. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of splitting in the organization. And you find that certain people will rise up to take up the challenge of leadership, usurping that of the uh, vaccinated leader. Mm-hmm. And worse still, at this point in time, the organization can be hijacked by any strong personality who can take the organization and use it for his own purpose, for his own selfish agenda. Now, that's organizational stress. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yes. So, Very much so. Sh- shall I talk about interview stress now? Sure, absolutely. Now, yeah, carry on. When, carry on. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. When we come to the individual, uh, how they respond to stress, we have to 
recognize the fact that different people respond to stress differently. Mm-hmm. True. In the last century, scientists called this toughness or hardiness. Okay, mm-hmm. so it has been demonstrated that hardy people cope better with stress than others, right. while less hardy people tend not to cope well. Of course, this hardiness factor is moderated by an individual's experiences of life. So if a person throughout life is afflicted by a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma, a lot of injury, and so forth, then they'll be weakened. Their their ability to be resilient to stress is weakened. And when that happens, that individual is very prone to stress. It's the outcome of both nature and nurture, as people often Mm -hmm. said. All right? And the individual's response to stress is such that if he can respond well to stress, he can thrive on stress. Because stress actually uh, cause our body to respond in certain ways and we got to learn to regulate it. So it is mm-hmm. our physiological response that cause all the problems that stress gives us. If I am hardy, if I learn techniques, if I practice behaviors mm-hmm. that help me to be resilient, then I can cope with stress better. The, the ultimate, ultimate way to cope with stress is how we look at it, our perception, our psychology, the way we think about it. So if I find everything as threatening and stressful, then everything will indeed be stressful and threatening. True. Mm-hmm. But if we can be sure that physically we are safe, in other words, we are not threatened physically, our lives are not at stake, and so therefore it's a perception of the environment around us that causes stress, I can change that perception. And that is the essential mm-hmm. thing in stress management. And of course, stress can be mitigated if, we, if there's a, a, a support from around us. If I'm with people, I don't feel so stressful because I'm in a group. Mm-hmm. If I'm not with a people who are supportive of me, I will feel more stressed. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the yeah. other thing that supports us is our ability to to be to to be healthy and physically strong. So, uh, the way we look at our diet, our, our uh, the way we train ourselves to be physically active and strong and healthy, also helps in mitigating stress. So that's why a lot of stress management techniques has to do with exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, has to do with diet has to do with nutrition, has to do with the way we arrange our life, whether we have enough sleep or not, and so forth. But yeah. stress is best tackled by having the right perspective to stress, to see it, to be able to walk away from it, to be able to laugh mm-hmm. at it, especially when it's not important. So that when it's important, we can focus all our attention to it. Right. Now, yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of business leaders, do you think yes. business leaders have a responsibility to help mitigate stress in the individual? Just I because think... it then helps the entire organization as a whole. Like some organizations, many organizations now offer fitness facilities on site or they, you know, maybe they have, I don't know, just different programs to help 
mitigate stress levels among their employees. Do you think they have a responsibility? I think so. Yeah. So experts call this organizational health. Mm-hmm. Organizational health depends on the business leader being able to institute measures to mitigate stress in the organization. So, for instance, the leader plays an important role in this, in, in mitigating stress in his organization. He must be able to motivate, to engage, to encourage, to coach his people and his leadership team, members of his leadership team, are the most important people he influence. And if he's supportive, if he's the kind of leader that's able to, to engage people, then he engages leadership team, which then engage the next level of leadership mm-hmm. and right down to the most sig- insignificant figure in the organization, everybody. So that's how it works. And the other thing is, a person is less stressful if they are adequately rewarded. Yeah. We know that financial stress mm-hmm. is real today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I would encourage organizations to remunerate their employees at a level slightly above the average. Mm-hmm. Because if they feel safe, if they're adequate, if their needs are met, especially the financial needs there's less stress on you. They don't have to sure. go and do another job mm-hmm. to mitigate whatever they are feeling. And it also and that, increases um, employee loyalty as well. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And more important, the employer has to take care of the health of his people. Sure. So if their health is taken care of, they will take risks for the company. Sure. Mm-hmm. You see? So... This is what uh, employ- uh, 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 business health is all about, organizational health. It depends on the leader to institute measures so that the employee will feel supported, will feel that he's being protected, and then he can go on behalf of the business to do things for the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what about the importance of the employees feeling they have a purpose in their work? And I, I because we've just been talking about people need to feel financially secure to reduce stress. But if you look at the case of people in the military who are defending their country, they're not getting any, we're getting very little in the way of financial rewards for that. But they will willingly do it because the cause surpasses their um, their concern about financial security. Yes, some of them will get stressed, obviously. But uh, is that not also an important factor that the 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 other conditions of employment over and above finance, uh, believing in the cause, having a purpose, being recognised, all that sort of thing. Absolutely, you, you, you're spot on on that. That depends on different individual. Yes. Every individual have their own mission in life. Sure. And if an employer wants his people to be united with him to face towards the objective that he has set for the organization, he must be able to motivate his employees to be united with him in that same journey. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only way he can do so is to articulate his own vision, his own mission, his objectives, and his own strategy for the business. Now, if that is very 
very moving and challenging. He can motivate the employees to bring their own personal vision and align them with that of the company. Good point. Mm -hmm. When the employer is able to do that, to articulate a vision for the business so clear and so earth-changing in being able to do something for the world out there and motivate his employee to join him in the same endeavor, uh, at least half of his employees will identify their personal vision with the company's vision because well, the company vision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, okay. That's where you got it. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. Calling, okay. as you mentioned. <laughs> yes, yes. So, quick one for you: is is the ability to handle stress, or the increase in a person's resilience, incremental? In other words, if you if you find you're able to cope with a fairly low level of stress and and a little bit of trauma, and you cope with it and you move on, and then you you hit slightly more stress. Are you better placed to cope the next time around of a similar sort of stressor, or, or not necessarily? Yes, indeed. As we cope with low levels of stress, we learn ways of coping, we learn ways of responding that work, and we apply them later. Mm -hmm. In fact, this technique has been used clinically, yes. uh, and there's a name for it. It's called stress inoculation. Stress yeah, inoculation. Inoc okay, that's there's right. You inoculate with less stress, and progressively it gets bigger and bigger until you can cope with very big stress. Right. Interesting. What about, sorry, I'm going to just ask another quick one. Sure. Um, teaching someone how to, to cope with physical stress, and I'm talking really here about endurance sports. I used to run a lot of marathons and I, I found, yes. and ultra marathons, and I found the the ability to cope with the pain and the the necessity to keep on putting one foot in front of the other on a marathon uh, helped me tremendously in non-physical stressful situations. Is that uh, my imagination or is there some science that, that would prove that? I think that's certainly true. A lot of our ability to, cause, to, to, to cope psychologically mm -hmm. come from our ability to cope physically. Physically, right. Yes. Yeah. And so the experience uh, resonate with what Research tells us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Kathleen, sorry, back to you. Well, let's get to know you a little bit better, um, Dr. Kong. Uh, Definitely. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your background that led you into the study of psychiatry and then you pivoted into the business world? How did all that happen? Okay. I'll be happy to share my journey uh, with you guys. So I, when I was a young man, I used to suffer from very bad social phobia. And with the help of friends and through self-help books, I was able to overcome much of it. And later on, I get some professional help and was able to overcome a, a lot of it. So as I overcome my social phobia, I realized that there are a lot of people, my friends, who also suffer from anxiety. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I began to use the techniques that work for me and share with them and help them to overcome the same. And I derive some pleasure from the fact that I gain satisfaction from seeing them improve. Mm. And that's how I started on the journey to become a psychiatrist to help other people. So when I was in psychiatry, uh, I trained in the UK professionally. And I work with people who have a tremendous interest in psychosomatic medicine. Mm -hmm. now called behavioral medicine and mm -hmm. well and stress 
really. So I was introduced to that. I liked the topic. So, and when I came back and when I worked with the university, I began to do research on stress. I began to talk about it, to teach other people how to cope with it. And I began to conduct workshops to train people on stress management techniques. I still remember conducting a workshop and teaching the whole class of up to 100 that the, the stress uh, management by using a relaxation technique. So that's how I started. And later on, when I moved into private practice, I told my colleagues out there that, hey, I'm going out to practice psychiatry and my interest is in stress. So what my colleagues do was to refer uh, their customers, their clients, their patients, who are mainly executives, business owners, and so forth, professionals who were stressed in their work. Mm -hmm. And at that time, you may be interested to know uh, at one time that uh, the business district have many people who have high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And then when they track these people high blood pressure, hey, suddenly the blood pressure seems to disappear. And mm -hmm. after some time, people realized that it was because of stress. Right. That's why they have the blood pressure. So there was a lot of stress mm -hmm. in those days. And I was working on them. I was uh, researching them. I was doing it. And when I see these business people, these executives, business owners, and so forth, with the stress things, I not only help them and manage the stress for them, but having gone through what I went through, I often go into problem-solving mode and ask them what caused them their stress in the first place. So they come up with their problems, with the difficulties mm -hmm. they had with subordinates or their bosses or their colleagues or whatever. And as I problem-solve with them, I get into the details of the thing that stress them in their business. And in order to understand this better, I began to read books on management or HR or whatever it was and subscribe to Harvard Business Review to get a perspective of such things so that I can help them better. Later on, I took a course, an M a non-graduating course on MBA topics to systematize mm -hmm. my learning. So when I retired for health reasons, I felt that perhaps I can put this into practice and focus on the source of stress, which is their businesses. Excellent. And so uh, when I do that, I began to pivot to business coaching, mm -hmm. to executive coaching and business coaching. And that's where I am today. I love mm. hearing people's backgrounds. Hey, what a story. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I, we we got to watch our time a little bit, but a yeah, very quick one. Do, do you see significant differences in the way uh, business leaders in Asia handle stress compared to business leaders in North America? Uh, I think there is a difference in culture mm -hmm. between the West and the East. It has been pointed out by a lot of people that Eastern culture are mainly collectivist, right. whereas Western culture tend to be individualistic. So in Eastern culture, people tend to work in groups mm -hmm. and people tend to be collaborative and cooperative so that when you work together, then there is harmony, which is a very Eastern right. concept. Yeah. yeah. 
So in addition to that, Eastern employers tend to view uh, their business as an extension of the family. Okay. And they would take care of their employees as if they're family members. Right. So, for example, when I interview a CEO of how he cared for his employees, I observed that during the interview, he and his employees were on first name terms, talking mm -hmm. and bantering with one another. And then he told me the story of how an employee of his get attracted by the local casinos here and get involved there mm -hmm. and end up with a debt of $30,000. And what the CEO did for him was very simple. He simply confronted his employee and said, look, I want you to change. I will pay your $30,000 debt for you. And in return, you will pay the company back through regular small deductions from your salary. Right. But you come back to work. And you can imagine after that incident, this employee is thoroughly loyal to his employee. Of course. Yeah. 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 So this is what I noticed. I noticed many of my friends who are business owners, they pay their employees well. In fact, my friend told me that as a young man, he was paid double that of his colleagues because he was good. He was good. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so he was therefore feel obliged to be loyal to his boss. Of course. Valued him. So that's what it is. And in Asian cultures, on festive days, for example, for us, I'm Chinese, so we celebrate mm -hmm. Chinese New Year. And right. on the second day of Chinese New Year, we open our homes to employees to come and pay their respects. Respects, right. right. Yeah. Right. So for, for Muslim employers, they have an open house on a Hari Raya festival. Mm -hmm. You see? Oh. So... Uh, that's that's the difference between Eastern and Western. And, and Western. of course, uh, uh, among listed companies and, and in, in the government, they have adopted Western management practice. You can see the underlying Asian culture still there in the background. Sure, sure. And then the, the emphasis on Western management techniques and numbers and data and so forth. But Eastern business practices has their issues. And a lot of them mirrors familial issues. So you see factions yes. uh, and conflicts very similar to sibling rivalry. Mm -hmm. uh, you can mm -hmm. see uh, some individual who is stuck up like a sore thumb because he's the rebel in the family, so to speak. Oh, yes. Or you can see some bosses who are authoritarian with their demands on the business, like some parents who are authoritarian and make demands on yep. the family. So these are some of the weaknesses of Asian right. culture, cultural practices. Uh, and this is seen in, in the business as well. Sure, sure, sure. But I, I guess you see some success stories where where big, big corporations with multinational uh, staff get it get the balance right. Do you see some really good success stories? I, I think so. I think so. I, 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 I think that the uh, U.S. is a melting board it's a melting pot of cultures. Mm -hmm. So yes, they are. I have read, of course, I can't name one at the moment. Sure. Uh, there's also a very big bank in Singapore. It's almost a multinational in effect, but they're very traditional mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the way they build relationships, 
in the way they make decisions. Mm -hmm. So you can marry the sure. goodness of both cultures. Of both cultures together. That's good. That's good news. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we are running towards the end of time. So Kathleen, you better find out from Douglas how people can contact him. Yes, absolutely. Um, can you give us um, what your contact information is, Douglas? Okay. They can contact me on my website at douglaskong.com where I have a free ebook that they can download. Excellent. And this ebook is entitled The Five Elements That Power Business Growth. The Five Elements is a framework that I have uh, kind of uh, come up with to help business owners. On douglascom.com, there will also be a contact page where they can get in touch with me to have a conversation with me as to what they, they feel their challenges are and what can be done about it. I also have a blog site at optimalzoneperformance.com. That is my blog that house all my articles that I've written so far. Mm -hmm. And they can connect with me on Facebook as well. Optimal Zone okay. Performance, Perfect. my Facebook page. Excellent. Well, Peter, I know you have your burning question. Do we have time? Yes, we do. We do. We do. Douglas, question. I've got to ask you. Yeah, you, you're a really good one to ask this question. Yes. We ask all our successful guests this question. In, in your experience working with so many people and with wearing your psychiatry hat and your business coach hat, would you say there's one characteristic or mindset or habit that sets successful business leaders apart from those that remain average? Or is it more complicated? Well, I, I don't think so. This has been identified by some people. Mm -hmm. And the mindset that sets people who are successful apart from those that are not so successful is what we call a growth mindset. Growth mindset. Yeah. A growth yep. mindset uh, kind of encourages the person to look at life as a journey of growing. Mm -hmm. For myself, I look at a growth mindset, I look at a growth mindset as a means of handling failure. Mm-hmm. When I make a mistake, when I make a setback or a mistake, it means that there is a lesson I have to learn. Sure. And if sure. I don't learn it, that setback, that mistake, that failure will come repeatedly in my life until I learn the lesson and internalize it. The growth mm. mindset is also a perspective of curiosity. Yes. Of wanting to ask questions and seek for answers and understand the world and how he can make it better. Mm -hmm. So no matter what the situation is, a growth mindset allows you to acquire knowledge and be better and better as you go along. It also means that you can accept yourself and your limitations and you can work with others so that you can build a better future for yourself and your business and for the world. Mm -hmm. So that's what is a growth mindset is about. I think that's the most important factor in my view. And most authorities who study this will agree. That's yes. And I've got to tell you that most of our guests agree too. Uh, we've asked that question of around over 200 guests. And I would say the the very, the, we have not had more than 12 or 14 different answers. And growth mindset, curiosity, asking questions is the majority of those answers, right? Yes, indeed, you're right. So, yeah. Because that yeah, is true. That's, yeah, very much so. Douglas, thank you so much. That was really interesting. And uh, it was a privilege to hear you and uh, hear your thoughts on stress. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you.
thank you so much for being with us today. And hopefully we can have you return to the show at some point in the future, Douglas. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And thank you all once again for tuning into our show. If anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, please visit us at theyackingshow.com. All you need to do is click on the contacts tab where you will find a short application form. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.